Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to those who are online. I am uh, thrilled to be preaching to you tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, open them up to John 21. If you have your Bibles, we'll be there to kind of start us off today and reference it kind of throughout the night. But uh, before I get started, my name is Jake. I'm a, a pastor here on staff, and I'm just thrilled and, and honored and humbled to be able to uh, preach to you tonight. I, I sense God's given me a, a message to bring that um, if, if we can grasp this, it's a simple concept, but how many of you know, like when you're a parent and you're telling your kids simple things, you're like, man, if I would just listen to my own advice, like my life would go a lot better. Like my four-year-old, I'm like, stop complaining. And it's like, yeah, I've been really complaining a lot, haven't I? You know, like a lot of times the simple things are the things that the devil tells us are too elementary. And so, like, yeah, 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 I get it, Jake, but give me something else. But if we can grasp this concept um, as it relates to prayer tonight, I, I, I think it can do quite a bit in your, uh, in your life and in your relationship with Christ. And so the topic is friendship with God. So it's friendship with God. And we'll be out of John 21 tonight. Um, and before I get started, I would just like to pray. So Father in heaven, I just thank you for this time that we have, God, to gather as believers in Jesus Christ, and you promise, God, that when we gather in your name, you are with us. God, your word says that you, your spirit, teaches us all things, God, so I and myself am so limited. I'm so limited as a communicator, God, but you, the teacher, know the intense and hidden things of our hearts. You know how, where and how we need to grow. So Spirit, bring to the forefront of our hearts and minds the things that you've prepared for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in John 21, um, in verses 1 all the way through 14 is kind of where we're going to be at. And so in this context of John 21, we see Jesus, this is after he's been resurrected from the dead, and the disciples are out at sea, and they're fishing, and they're not catching anything. And then they're kind of coming into the shore, and there's a man who they don't recognize on the shore. And this man calls to them and says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And so they throw the net on the other side of the boat and they catch a huge catch of fish. Now, some of you are like, oh, I'm, I'm familiar with this story. But what most people don't realize that this is the second time this has happened in the disciples, specifically in Peter's life. So remember, Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Okay, he's resurrected. He's accomplished. It is, he's on the cross. He says, it is finished. He's gone down, defeated the devil. He's paid for sin. He's resurrected, showed himself. And now he is showing himself to his disciples once again. The disciples, okay, so they catch the fish. And Peter immediately realizes, he's like, it's the Lord. 
It's Jesus. And so it says that Peter didn't even wait until the boat got to shore. He, he, he takes off his outer garments. He, he swims. He runs to meet Jesus. He is here, and he cannot wait to be restored to Jesus. Now, what, what do I want to point out to us tonight? What do I want to point out? Jesus isn't a robot. Jesus is God. He is God. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, the Father and I are one. In John 8, 58, he says, I am. He existed before Abraham. He, he is God, and he resurrected from the dead. If I were God, and I had just came to do what I, what I came to do, to defeat sin, to defeat the devil, to bring the kingdom of God, I think I would be a little bit more focused. But this is what G Jesus does. He's like, oh man, I remember, I remember the first time I met Peter. I remember the first time I met Peter. Remember? Oh gosh. He was out there in the boat. He'd have been out there all night. He didn't catch any fish. And then I told him, cast your net on the other side. He takes fish and I call him, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I, oh, Jesus is bringing this to memory. He's resurrected and he sees Peter out in the boat and he goes, cast the net on the other side. You can do you see the, the friendship that Jesus is offering Peter? He's not a robot God who came just to do what he came to do. He is a relational friend of Peter. And instead of just coming and showing Peter, okay, I need you to do this, this, and this. You're my servant. You're going to die. You're going to suffer. But do all these things. He, Jesus came as a friend. And he brings to memory history that he had with Peter to throw his net on the other side. Now, why am I emphasizing this? Because in a religious culture, let's say of West Michigan or even in the Bible Belt in America, we can miss the fact or the desire that God has simply to know you. We get so caught up in our own sin, in our um, imperfection. We get so caught up in the things that we're falling short in where, where we realize how imperfect we are and we are frenzied with family and our kids and the sports and parenting and dishes and food prep and groceries and snow blowing. And we, we get so bogged down and we feel like we're missing it so much. And we, we forget that God's deepest desire is he wants to know you. And so much so that in the story, what I, what I notice about Jesus is that Jesus sought the disciples out. He sought them out. He went to where they were. Jesus wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't waiting for them to find him. He found his disciples. Jesus is always the one who will pursue you. The job of the disciple of Jesus is to recognize his pursuit. Our responsibility isn't to conjure up the strength and holiness in order to please God. Our responsibility is always to recognize and respond to his loving pursuit. And we need to be like Peter that when we recognize his pursuit of us, whether that be through a memory, a church service, a, a worship song, a verse that we're reading, that we jump out of the boat. That we just don't glance, oh, that's nice. We, our, our, our response needs to be of one, of I want to be with you. You see, the response in the, in the, 
the living, the living work of the Christian, the, the life of our pursuit is friendship. Some people say, that, oh no, it needs to be holiness and we're growing in holiness. Yes, we need to grow in holiness. We need to reject sin, hate sin. But what I've noticed in my own life is that the more that I love Jesus as a friend, the less I desire sin. The more that I embrace him as my loving savior and father, the less that I am tempted to run to idols. And so the friendship of God is, the most ba- is a basic element, but a forgotten concept for most people who are in religious systems, which we're in just in our, in our West Michigan Bible Belt. So God is on the pursuit. So he, Peter runs out on the boat, and it's just a beautiful picture. And I'm going to read in verse 9. It says, when they got out to land, so this is Peter, they saw a charcoal fire in place. Jesus was having a bonfire. He just rose from the dead, and he's making a fire. It says, with fish laid out on it and bread. (laughs) Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. To me, that's just a funny detail. It's like 153 fish. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Here's just a beautiful and a profound quote from Jesus that often gets overlooked. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Most people just say, oh yeah, just come to have breakfast. But think of the significance. Jesus could have been doing anything after he'd resurrected from the dead. But what Jesus chose to do was to make a fire, go to his friends, bring up a funny memory of catching fish off of a boat and have breakfast with his friends. And I would suggest to us tonight that God is less concerned with you performing and getting your life in order and he desires more greatly for you to come to recognize his presence in your life and to have breakfast with him and to talk to him as a friend. Now, most people say, I, Jake, I don't know how to talk to God. I, I'm just starting on my journey with Christ. I, I don't know how to do that. I grew up in a religious system where it was just all rule and rule-oriented Christianity. I don't, I don't know how to be a friend of God. And he says this in John 15, 12 through 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, verse 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I command. What did Jesus Jesus just command them to do? Love each other as he has loved them. What Jesus is not saying, you're my friends only if you obey me all the time, 100% and you you have no faults. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you will pursue Love for me, love for one another, love for your wife, love for your kids, love for your coworkers, love for your family. If you pursue in your heart, I want to love others the way that Christ loved me, Jesus says this, you are my friend. You are not God's friend if you um, have one of those special uh, Res Life badges that says pastor. You know what I mean? Like, 
oh, yes, pastors, yes, Carson, you are God's friend. No one else because you need to be a pastor to be God's friend. That is so not the case. I know so many of you and so many of our church family who are just unassuming people love Jesus and they obey him and they, are, they have deep friendships with Jesus. It does not require um, any sort of recognition from any human to be a friend of God. All it takes is someone who is humble, comes to the Lord, recognizes Jesus' work on the cross and that we desperately needed him. He saved you, he made you a son, his daughter, and he wants to image, reflect, and embody his love. If you will do that, you will learn to be his friend. You will become more like him. How many of you have like a friend from the past? Like maybe it's a college days, you know what I mean? Like, and you meet up with them and it's just like, you don't even have to wait five seconds and you're like right back at it. You know what I'm talking about? Like you haven't seen him in 10 years, you see him and you are laughing, right? You are, you are going back to old jokes and your spouse is looking at you like you're a child right now. You know what I mean? Like, like what is going on right now? And the, re- the reason I bring that up is because when, when we meet with God, it's not supposed to be like, your friendship needs to be more like that type of friendship, It's not religious, it's not black and white, it is full of laughter and memory, it is full of history, it is is full of testimony, it is full of joy, it is is full of all of the things that a human relationship would consist of, but instead of it being with a human, it is with the God of love who will never reject you. It is the God of love that even though distance might separate you for a time because of life or whatever you might be going through, as soon as you return to him, it can be like it was in the beginning. You see, friendship with God is why Christ came. Christ did not come. It says it in, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the reference, but he says it about Jerusalem. I think it's Matthew 21. It says, Oh, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you like a mother hen gathers its chicks, but you wouldn't let me. So many people view God as a distant, um, hateful, wrathful God who is waiting to smite his enemies. But when Jesus shows up, You see him forgiving sinners. You see him ministering to the most broken people. You see him gathering 12 disciples. His closest friends didn't go to seminary. (laughs) His closest friends weren't the most polished people in the community. His closest friends were not a part of the political system. His closest friends weren't Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, and Mark Zuckerberg because of their net worth. His closest friends didn't have the the influence in the society. His closest friends weren't even the purest of heart. Peter cut off someone's ear, guys. You see, Jesus chose people who he saw would be humble and who would follow him and who would love like he loved. He didn't find people who were perfect. He found people who would follow him. And so it does not take perfection. It does not take uh, family history. It does not take education. It does not take money. It does not take looks. It doesn't take anything. All it takes is for us to humble ourselves under his leadership, his love, his lordship, and allow ourselves to be the clay in the potter's hand. 
And it takes every part of our life, whether you're a business person, whether you're a mom, whether you're retired, whether you're in ministry, whether you're in a factory, it doesn't matter where you are. God is omnipresent and he wants to have a living dynamic relationship with you everywhere you go and he wants to lead you and and help you to reflect his love. Remember, if you want to be my friends, love one another. Reflect his love and learn to be like Christ. So the question that I want to really ask is, how do we do that? (laughs) How do we do that? And And I told you, you just need to love. Easier said than done, obviously. But I want to, in this pray for season, I want to recommend or just suggest that consistent conversation with God is one of the ways you can know God as a friend. Consistent conversation. You know, I was preparing for a a series on prayer three years ago and I was praying for my message on prayer. It's a good thing to do. And God kind of gave me this revelation, helped me understand something. He kind of spoke something to my heart. He said, Jake, it is impossible to have a relationship with me if you don't pray. Now, of course, yeah, okay. Think about this. If we do not pray, it is impossible to know him. You can know a lot about him. You can go to church. You can raise your hands and worship. You can put a Bible verse on your Facebook account. You can have, a, you can have scriptures in your Instagram bio. You can, have, you can have all of these things that identify yourself as a Christian. But if we do not close the door, go to God when no one is looking, crack open our chest and say, God, I want to know you as a friend. Search me and know me, God. Where, help me to learn your voice. Where do I need to lead my family? How can I love my children better, God? How can I love my spouse? If we do not come to him with sincerity and faith and consistency, we cannot have a relationship with him. It, it would be like this. I use Daniel on my Wednesday message. I'm going to use him again. It would be like me going to Pastor Daniel and I'm going to the whole group here and be like, oh yeah, Pastor Daniel is like, he's one of my closest friends. And then I go to, yeah, Pastor Daniel's one of my closest friends. But I never talk to Pastor Daniel, ever. Let's say I'm just like, ignore him. I, I, I ignore him, walk past him. He comes in, he encourages me. I ignore him. He comes in, he gives me blessings. And I'm just like, whatever, dude. And then I just ignore him, ignore him, ignore him. And I go around to all of you telling all of you, I know him. And then it comes back to him. Yeah, you see, so you're one of Jake's closest friends. And Daniel's like, huh? No, because he doesn't respond to my loving kindness. Now, does God still love you even though you reject him? Of course. But you see, it takes consistent prayer relationship in order to have a real relationship with God. I'm not talking one that impresses me. I'm not talking about a relationship that impresses someone else. I'm talking about a relationship that when you die and everything is burned up with the the purity of God, his fire is just his purity, guys. He exposes everything. 
And all that's left is, is the purity of your heart in, or the lack of purity in his purity. Everything that is not pure gets burned. You cannot, you can fake it on this side of eternity. You will never, you will never fake out God. You will never deceive him. So our goal in prayer, I'm not trying to scare you, but the goal in prayer is not to impress other people. It is to become the person that God sees you to be. You see, you think you know what you want your life to be, but you can't control your life. You can control certain things. The only one who can accurately and in a trusted manner direct your life is the one who knows you and knows the future. And so we go to him as a friend because he is, trust, he is trustworthy and consistent prayer is how you develop a friendship with God. So when we go to him in prayer, we take this information, we take the scriptures, we take what we know and we take it to him and we allow him to, to, to take that information and develop it into history. You see, you have to take what you learn in church and you have to apply it. And when you apply information in prayer, it becomes history. It becomes friendship. But if it remains in your notes and if it remains in your head and it, rem- it doesn't get down into your heart in prayer, it will be worthless. It is worthless to, come to, to, to not apply. It is, it is, prayer is the place that you grow. And I'll make this mention in the scriptures it says that Jesus went into the wilderness to pray as was his custom. If Jesus, how many of you think Jesus is more spiritual than you? I'll just ask this. Raise your hand. Is Jesus more spiritual than you? Yeah? Okay. If Jesus had to pray consistently, I think we need to pray a little bit more than what we're praying myself included. You see, Jesus understood this, that his connection with the Father was the most important thing that he had. The relationship, the friendship, the unity that he had with the Father and the Spirit was his prized possession. Nothing, nothing could get in the way of that time, of that history, of that conversation that he was having with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And at this point, I want to mention Pastor Daniel Vanderklok, not Cavazos. He developed the, uh, the prayer plan on the YouVersion app. If you're someone and you're like, I don't even know where to start, right? It's a phenomenal place to jump in. So go on the YouVersion, on the search bar, type in Res Life, and there's a guided prayer plan. Every day it gives you scriptures to pray. It gives you things to pray for. It, it really is a, a useful tool over these next two weeks to utilize as you grow in your friendship and your relationship with God. So consistent conversation. Notice that in my note, I don't say prayer, even though I haven't been using the word prayer, it's conversation. It is talking and listening. And here's where I'll mention, this is just a practical kind of tip. If you don't journal while you pray, it's unlikely 
that you will grow in your friendship with God. Because you're journaling, you're writing down your prayers and what you sense the Lord leading you into, what you, what's highlighting in the scriptures, what you feel like you're praying for, what you're wrestling with in your sin. You see, the reason we journal and write down what we're going through is so that when we look back six months later, we go, wow, God, look at what you brought me through. Remember that season I went through? God, you brought me through that. Remember that financial difficulty that we were going through, God? And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. It took a little longer than what we were hoping for, but God, you delivered. And that is the source of the history that we have with God. It's this friendship. It's the life that he gave you. You're letting him lead you through consistent conversation. And so it's a practical tip, but write down what you're praying about. Get a prayer journal. Write it out. Write out your requests, write out your worries, write out, write out what you're believing for, write out what you're praying for, write out your identity in Christ, write out anything that you sense the Lord leading you in your prayer time, just make notes of it so that you can refer to it and build a friendship with God through consistent conversation. Now, I was hesitant to share this part because it's kind of a, should I, should I, sh- oh gosh, okay. I need to share it, right? That's like when you're like talking to someone, you're like, uh, never mind. It's like, no, no, come on, tell me, tell me, okay. So in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, you have different environments in which you interact with, interact with your spouse. And so I love to be with my spouse in group settings and you get to watch them laugh with their girlfriends and you, get, you, you watch them kind of, a side of them that maybe you don't see at home when they're parenting little kids comes out and their laughter comes out and you get to, you just get to see a side of your spouse that you don't see maybe at home, right? And then you have, you have, uh, uh, you interact with your spouse at church or you interact with your spouse in family settings or maybe on a date night and there's different settings. And with God, it's very similar. And then also with my wife, right, there's times that we, there's things that we experience that are very private. Like what happens in the bedroom is very private, right? But it is an integral part of our relationship. Sex is, is crucial to a healthy marriage. That is totally private. Nobody else knows. We don't, we don't talk about it. It is private. It is our secret history. But that doesn't mean that's the only time that I talk to my wife right? And so with the Lord, we need times where we strip away the noise, wake up early, go to a secret place, shut the door behind us, and it is our intimate time with the Lord. And then there's times where you're out and the Lord is just talking to you and you're out in public and it's not like deep and you're crying and the Lord's ministering to your heart, but it's, it's friendship. You're out in the open and the Lord is, is showing you things like, like uh, Jesus showed Peter, like, cast the net on the other side. There's things that he's going to point out to you. You're going to recognize something. It brings you back to an old time and the Lord brought, did something in your life or maybe something in your life and the Lord is, he's communicating to you in everyday life because he wants to be your friend. He is your savior, but he's your friend. And so consistent conversation is not just about when you go to your prayer closet or your prayer space. It is about continuing the conversation every day. In every season, when you're at work, being attuned. Okay, Lord, what are, what's going on? To, what do you want to talk to me about today? What, what should I be aware of today, God? Bring things to my mind. Bring up a conversation. Bring someone into my life that would, that would just spice, spice up my day a little bit. Show me that you're, that you're with me. 
This is the journey of a disciple of Jesus. Not someone who religiously prays three times a day, but somebody who walks with God. Somebody who, as Galatians 5 says, walks by the Spirit. And there's a few things, I'm just going to list two things that are somewhat simple, but two things that I think are crucial to talk about before we go into those conversations that we need to kind of settle. Before we can grow in friendship with God, we need to understand these two things. The first thing is God loves you. Every night, or not every night, but most nights, we'll sing to our kids, well, we'll sing to one of our kids, the other, our two-year-old won't let us sing to him. We'll let us start singing, he's like, stop singing. I'm like, okay, whatever, kid, whatever. <laughs> anyway, we'll sing to our four-year-old, Jesus loves me. And what I've noticed is that it's such a simple concept to teach to kids, but throughout our life, most people have forgotten that concept. Not in their heads, but in their hearts. Life is painful. Parents are imperfect. The church is imperfect. Unmet expectations, there's pain. Divorce happens. There's just different things in life. And we, we sometimes doubt whether God really loves us. And if, and if we don't have that settled, that God's love is completely for us, it's really hard to try to build a friendship with him. And this is what Paul prays in Ephesians 3. For this reason I bow my knees. This is my prayer for us tonight. Bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's prayer for, for the church in Ephesus is that they would have strength to comprehend the love of God. And I'm convinced that our, the, the fight of the Christian faith is to remain childlike in the simplicity that God radically, unapologetically loves you and loves me. You see, when, when we grasp that, so many things fall in line. You know, if you're in a marriage and you feel disrespected from your spouse and you kind of blow up or maybe your kids are doing something and you lose your temper and, and you're at work and you feel disrespected and your you're, you're, you're kind of like state of emotional state kind of declines or maybe your parent and your kids are wayward and you're in this decline and you feel like you're a failure. And you see, so many things in our life have more weight than the love of God. That when those things are touched, we question God's love. God, if you love me, why? God, if you love me, why is this happening? God, if you love me, and we, we really expose ourselves that we don't really believe and we don't prioritize God's love as much as we might think. Because here's what I know. 
I am not where I am, but God has taken me from a level of understanding to a greater level of his love that no matter what happens, they could take this mic away from me. Pastor Duane could say, Jake, that was the worst message you ever had in your life. Um, my wife could be yelling at me. My friends could abandon me. I could go into a car crash. <coughs> Excuse me. And I might have a few bad hours. But once I get into prayer and I realize, Lord, that is not identifying me, God. The love that you have for me never ends. It doesn't matter on anything, God. My, the love, the approval that you have of me is greater than any approval that any man could ever give me, God. Take the car, God. When I stand before you, I can't take it with me anyways, God. Your love for me is greater than anything this world could ever offer me. So God, you can have all this world. Just give me Jesus. When you have a revelation that the love of God is so for you and so completely pointed in your direction that when things come your way, it hurts for a little bit, but once you get rooted and grounded in that love, oh, it, just, it, just, it, it gives you clearer vision. And the love of God is proven in this, that Jesus Christ Lay down his life for you. So many people are waiting for proof that God loves them. God, send a sign, send a sign. He sent his sign. He sent his sign. It's his son, Jesus Christ. He died yet while you were a sinner and he raised him back to life so that you can be forgiven and that you could be a son or a daughter. His love is proven, it's settled, it's finished. Stop putting God on the stand of the courtroom. You are not the jury determining if he's love. First John 4 states, God is love. And he says that faith is the thing that enters you into his love, not proof. You don't need any more proof. You don't need that job. You don't need the promotion. You don't need to hit the lottery. You don't need the marriage. You don't need any of those things to know that you're loved. The thing that identifies you and the targets of God's love is that Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, and he died for you. It is the proof of his love. We read it in John 15. Greater love has no man than this, that, is, that he, uh, someone would lay down his life for a friend. And Jesus laid down his life for you. This is the proof of God's love. There's a song that I love. It's called He is Faithful by Jesus Culture. And it says this, one of, the, one of the lines, it says, he has paid the highest price. He has proven his great love for us. It is proven. He doesn't need to prove anymore his, the, 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 you are in the crosshairs of his love. And the devil's mission is to get you to question it, you to doubt it, you to get your eyes on other things. But the job and the responsibility of the preacher is to compel you to look to Jesus, the author and perfection of our faith, put your hands open, drop the worry, drop the stress, drop the doubt, put your hands open and just receive the love that Jesus poured out on the cross. And my prayer is the prayer that Paul prayed is that you would have the strength. You guys, it takes strength because once it hits you, man, it's heavy. It's heavy when his love hits you and you would have the strength to comprehend the love that Christ has for you. It's not based on your performance. It's not based on your family history. His love is proven through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it is received. It is received not through a spell, not through a secret prayer. It is not received through dressing right. It is received through faith that Jesus did what he said he did and he is who he says he is and that you can have what he says you can have, which is an understanding that you are deeply loved more than you could ever imagine. I had more, but I don't have time. So if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes with me.
The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not once high school is over, not once college is over, not once you get married. It says today is the day of salvation. Forgiveness is available today. And Jesus is in hot pursuit of all of us, but specifically, he is in pursuit of those who do not know him. He is in pursuit of those who are enslaved to their sin and their vices. He is in pursuit of those who are hopeless and do not know where to turn. He is in pursuit of those who have reached the end of their rope. And he is offering the lifeline, but not just saving from drowning. He is in pursuit to offer you the life that you never dreamed you could have. He is in pursuit to offer you forgiveness that you do not deserve. He is in pursuit to offer you love that you were made for. And if you do not know Jesus, my friends, I have good news. He wants to know you. His forgiveness is free, but it does cost us something. For a lot of people, it costs pride by humbling ourselves underneath his leadership. It costs us our way of life to truly humble ourselves under Jesus and to follow him. And it takes us to have faith that Jesus is the savior of the world, the only one who can save you. And if you wanna know that love, if you wanna know Jesus Christ as a savior and friend, on the count of three, I would like you to raise your hand and I wanna pray with you. One, two, three, just raise your hand. I wanna pray with you. If you're online, you can just type it in the chat. Anyone in the room? I'm just gonna close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great love for us. God, I thank you for your friendship. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that all of us would leave with a desire not to become better people, God, but a desire to know you as a friend. God, draw us to the secret place. Draw us to the place of loving you like a friend. God, increase our capacity to understand how much you love us, God. Start cracking open our hearts to heal the places that are stopping us from fully following you. God, bring teachers and friends and brothers and sisters to sharpen us, to increase our devotion to you. And God, I just pray that you would, by your spirit, just teach us to pray. Teach us to grow in our ability to see you, to love you, and to know you, not just at church, but to know you every day and to become more like you. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.